0: Disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to provide medical advice. It exists only to entertain, so please be entertained. An odd gentleman enters an apothecary in 16th century Germany looking for a
1: particular or peculiar sort of medicine. Hello, and welcome to my humble apothecary. What is it I can help you find? Ugh.
2: Hey, man. I'm looking for something special.
1: Oh, well, I carry many special medications. Is this for you or someone else? It's for me. Really? Are you sure you're not trying to clear up a problem? No. I'm looking for
2: medicine for me. I'm not here to buy poison. You can stop winking at me.
1: Oh, okay. Sorry, it's just that most people come here to buy poison. What are you actually looking for? I'm looking for the real medicine. Oh, it's Strange how you say that. Uh, now I'm lost in the innuendo. What is your ailment? I need to be more brutal. Ooh, I can't even imagine what you mean by that. I need to play more brutal. I need to play with
2: more intensity. More anger.
1: Ah. What are you playing?
2: Loot. I'm in a band. You want to know what her band name is?
1: Nine, I do not.
2: Syphilis-section.
1: What? It's a combination of syphilis and dissection. (sighs) Wow, that very combination of tasteful and clever. I'm afraid I don't know what sort of medicine you're looking for. I heard that you have.
3: Corpse medicine.
1: Oh yeah, I probably should have seen that coming. Well, right here, we've got a bottle of fresh blood, right from the headsman's block. Not more than a day old. This blood came from quite the wretch. I heard he was a serial jaywalker. That doesn't sound brutal. Uh, Okay, maybe not. How about this one? This looks like good blood, no? What did that guy do? Oh, moving violation. Not brutal enough. Oh, okay, here's one from a heretic. Burned the rest of him right after the execution. That sounds better. Wait, what's that one? Uh, which one? That one. Over there. Oh, that's... A nine. Well, that, that's dangerous stuff. You, you don't want that guy's blood. How brutal was he? Oh, that blood belonged to a, a 15th century surgeon. I definitely want that guy's blood. Very well. Fine, have it your way. Be sure to boil it before sunset, grind the skull up, and add it to the blood. Drink that after throwing salt over your head, and it should do the trick.
2: Awesome. I'm going to shred on that loot. Brutal loot.
1: Yeah, you can leave now. I'm going to leave now. Okay, okay, yeah, go on now. Bye-bye. Okay, I'm leaving. Thanks for the blood. (laughs) Like half Scandinavian half. I was friends with that guy in
3: high school. <laughs> Which one? Yes.
0: Welcome, everyone. This is Poor Historians, the podcast delving into the archives of medical history. As three emergency physicians, we will explore the unusual ailments, treatments, physicians, and all related material having to do with the healing arts. I'm Max, and I'm joined here by my good friends and colleagues, Aaron and Mike. Gentlemen, how brutal was that first skit?
1: It was pretty brutal. I thought, you know, I was, uh, that accent needs work, but uh, it wasn't in my repertoire before, so... <laughs>
3: I wonder if we should take classes now that we're I
1: just, I just want to say I'm sorry to everybody that was listening. <laughs> oh yeah. Like a dialogue coach. Hey, be business yeah. expense. Probably. Right. Yeah. Oh, no, that'd be so awesome. I, I don't know. I think maybe we can give lessons doing this for six months. <laughs> yeah. We probably could, right? No, no, that was good. I liked it. I want to hear uh, somebody shred the loot. That's, that's sweet loot music.
0: We have any shout outs this week?
3: Yeah, the shout out. I mean, the shout out is also the inspiration for the episode. And that's RN Luke.
0: Is that his first name and last name?
3: Yeah. (laughs) Luke. His last name is Skywalker. (laughs) And I think he hates that because when I see him, I'm always like, Luke. You know, I think he's. I'm sure he's never heard it before. Right. So I don't think he's a huge fan of that introduction. But anyway,
0: just before you ask, if you come up to me and ask me if my favorite song is Maxwell Silverhammer. You're not gonna like it. It's not. You know what? Don't start singing it to me because it doesn't. <laughs> nobody knows what it is. <laughs> Fortunately, uh, as the ages
1: go by, it is becoming true. Oh, dude! Bang, bang! Maxwell Silver Hammer came down. Yeah, no, nope.
3: let's line. move on. Is that she bangs? She bangs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I don't.
1: You know this? The Skywalker bloodline is problematic, so I, I could see Luke. You know, not wanting to be part of that. I, that's okay. Yeah.
3: It will be fixed with the Floniverse, whatever. Yeah. That's for uh, another uh, podcast.
1: Well, yeah, they are retconning it well, but Luke is still mm. he's he and so he's he's got an interesting body of work there.
3: Everybody's favorite heroic curmudgeon. Yep. All right. We digressed. <laughs> we definitely but digressed. Luke. Luke came up with the idea for this or the inspiration for the episode. So thank you, Luke.
0: I do appreciate that he's suggesting something that isn't so doom and gloom.
3: <laughs> right? Yeah, this is actually it's very lighthearted. It's a break for us, right? Yeah, yeah, Sh- not problematic in the history of medicine. Should,
1: shouldn't make you wonder about the, you know, the good nature of humanity at all. Do Do we need some sort of disclaimer here, just that we're going to uh, be talking
0: about some gross stuff? I mean, it's we might need a stuff.
1: little trigger warning, maybe. Um, no, there's
0: this. What's I mean, if you looked at the title, you saw that it was corpse medicine, yeah. and we're going to be describing a variety of ways that corpse medicine was used. And I think generally speaking, the main warning would be it's kind of gross and morbid.
3: I thought it was core medicine. I thought the P was silent.
0: Uh, well, after looking at some of the other spelling you had in the document, I like, believe that. Like mm-hmm. sit ups? Is that what you mean? Tell us about corpse medicine.
3: All right, core medicine, corpse medicine. So there, there's actually, it's very interesting. If you do, this is one of those things, again, I think we've learned this over and over again as we research these topics. You could do such a deep dive. And there is um, there's this author that had written a book called Mummies, Cannibals, and Vampires: The History of Corpse Medicine from the Renaissance to the Victorians. Dr. Richard Sugg. He's a lecturer in Renaissance literature at the University of Durham. I'm not sure if that's in North Carolina or in England. <laughs> okay, so it's England. <laughs> really interesting writer. So I, I looked at his I guess his body work. And then there was an article from the Smithsonian. Nice corpse and body work. I see what you mean. I know. (laughs)
0: There's no way he intended that.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So this, I mean, it looks like he's written quite a few books on this. Uh, Another one's murder after death literature and anatomy in early modern England. So kind of right in our wheelhouse.
0: I think we could be friends with him.
3: Yeah. I think he sounds like he's awesome. And again, really like compelling, interesting writer. Very cool. So the argument is that corpse medicine is essentially cannibalism, or corpse medicine is cannibalism.
0: Yeah, but it's prescribed by a doctor, so it makes it better.
3: Right. Well, it's funny because at the time, historically, you know, we were looking at the new and emerging world, and you know, they were arguing that they were savages in the new world because they ate other humans, and then at the same time, we literally ate other humans. One was for medical treatment; the other was for sustenance or whatever or you know some religious thing
0: it's all about context
3: Mm -hmm. so you know you have to think so back in the 16th and 16th and (laughs) century back in the old times um, (laughs) the 16th and century 17th okay (laughs) that's hard (laughs) 16th
1: and 17th centuries thank you like a teacher voice yeah yeah
3: so we would you know medicine was thought to be from the humors remember our our humors, our biles, and all of that. And the belief was that like cures like. So, and what we're going to do, we're going to talk a little bit about this, its history, and then I'll just go through each of the maladies and then what they used to treat. And you'll see like cures like. That was a thought anyway. Absolutely. Um, so in in his book, Sug suggested the question, I guess historically was, should you eat human flesh? And that wasn't the question. The question was, what sort of flesh should you eat? Much uh, more
0: interesting question.
3: Right. Which one? I'll take the tenderloin. I don't know if the tenderloin does anything. The psoas?
0: What would be, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine it's probably pretty tasty as far yeah. as meats from people go.
3: Probably. It's probably the best cut.
1: It is the filet mignon of the person. Oh, the mm-hmm. best cut. I don't know. You get a lot of muscle groups that I would eat before the season. Ooh, psoas. you're right.
3: Maybe the masseter.
1: Ooh, Not, interesting. That's, that's going to be in a moose bouche. That's going to be just a little. <laughs> just a little like plate before the main course. That's not enough meat to even like, plus it's probably really tough because the masseter gets used so often. Right. It's going to, it's not even marbled very well. Yeah. Weird that the guy with the murder basement is very
0: opinionated and has already (laughs) thought this through this far. Yeah. He's like, obviously you serve the muscle that is chewing as a appetizer.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, yeah. obviously, Obviously. Yeah. I mean, a friend of mine, you know,
3: you and he a just sits back and enjoys the irony.
1: You know what? I've I've seen Yellow Jackets and I've seen Alive. So that's where do you guys remember Alive? Oh my god. I remember that movie. We got kicked oh, out of yeah. that we got kicked out of that movie because we couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I went to see it in high school and for those who haven't seen Alive, it's actually probably a pretty decent movie. Of the uh, what was it a uh, Uruguayan rugby team that crashed in the Andes and then yeah. they had to remote they had to turn to cannibalism to survive you know, as you you do, I mean they were way up above it the, but they started eating the butt first, and we were in high school,
3: oh, isn't man. that how babies are made?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh geez, yeah, we digressed. So yeah, so we just do not cut that out, Max. <laughs> <We just> kept... <laughs> We just, we literally got asked to leave the theater. <laughs> They're like, you need to leave. We're like, but butt. Yeah, it is, was... but. That's, if you want a more
0: tasteful, humorous take on human cannibalism, I would suggest you look up Cannibal the Musical. Mm-hmm. Very early work from Trey Parker and Matt Stone of South Park fame. It is pretty amazing for a college project. What were we talking cool. about again?
3: Oh, uh, cannibalism. To... Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay, corpse medicine. I'm not. So in the centuries of number 16 and 17 um there were a lot of proponents to the use of corpse medicine there were some uh, vocal opponents as well but uh yeah so corpse medicine dates back to as far as recorded time you know we think Egyptians may have you know eaten human parts in order to cure medical ailments it seems like it hit its peak in the 16th and 17th centuries in Europe nice so europeans they they ingested these medical concoctions, they had human bones, blood, fat, brains, and any other organ you could think of to cure really what seemed like really common maladies and again, they looked at the new world and they're like, those cannibals are savages, but you know we're gonna eat our own people for cures. I mean, they were eating their own criminals, yeah, well, yes, yes and no <laughs> there there were some I'm sure like people that were unfortunate enough to have been killed for these treatments. All right. So French King Francis, I apparently always carried a piece of mummified flesh in his purse, per, I don't know, man bag. It's a purse. man purse. Yeah. Immerse. It's a carry all. So his quote was fearing no accident. If he had, but a little of that by him, whatever. What? It sounds like if he had a piece of mummified, f- mummified flesh on him, that if he were injured, he'd take a couple bites and he would be fine. What? yeah i've actually got a friend who's um this is gonna be a weird transition no it's just it's this was, i thought about this one i heard it so his dad is shoot i don't know his nationality it's it's kind of like uh very western europe anyway so his thought was he carried around a, a thing of garlic and every time he's like well, i got to run up the stairs i'm you know papa garlic <laughs> he like gives his energy yeah like but- Garlic is not the same as mummified. No, flesh. I know, but I, I thought of him when I read this. I was like, "Okay, this guy, yeah, take a little bite." Yeah, Good totally. To That's
1: the same connection I'd make, and yeah. I'm the weird one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, go ahead.
3: <laughs> I wonder if they lifted weights back then, and rather than doing creatine or like pre workout, they would just, just eat, eat some muscle, eat a mummy. <laughs> yeah, like like only the guns, like. only the only the only the biceps. Mm-hmm. All the mummies just have the you know. So they never ate the mummified remains when they did legs. So they always <laughs> <skipped> <laughs> they always leg skip leg
0: day, You're right?
3: So the the remains that these people were ingesting, the thought was that they were considered to contain the spirit of the body from which they were taken. So you know there were certain types of individuals that they would want, I guess, pieces of flesh from mm-hmm. uh, that were youthful, that were you know had all these qualities that they would potentially want. So they wanted. It's not like they're going to eat a really old person. With impotence and, like, gout. Yeah, because then you're just going to get gout and impotence. That makes sense. So it's funny because even there there were a couple lines, again, in Richard Sugg's book. He had mentioned, um, like, historically, and I think this was in the Smithsonian article as well, that this is most likely documented in, like, some Shakespeare plays, like, and then even Da Vinci had written about it. So Da Vinci Mm. had said, and this is a guy that was, like, trying to discover flight, and he was also eating... Virginal meat. <laughs> he was
1: just getting the downloads the aliens gave him. You know that, right? I mean, yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're at, the, if you're at the, the the spearhead of the
0: Renaissance and you are just discovering all these things, I feel like you have carte blanche to do a lot of weird stuff till you're right. you figure out what sticks to the wall, you know?
3: Yeah. And the stuff that was good lasted through time. And then the stuff that was questionable, like, eh, you know what? We give you a free pass on that one. Exactly. Yeah. Because Da Vinci said, we preserve our life with the death of others. In a dead thing, insensate life remains which, when it's reunited with the stomachs of the living, regains sensitive and in intellectual life. So he's arguing, like, if you eat someone's meat, then it'll be reborn in your stomach and it'll help you out too.
0: I'm, I'm going to have to go behind the scenes with the listener here and say that Mike skipped over a sentence I had to address. And That he said, I think in reference to the Shakespeare part, that it was challenging to pick it up in his writing because, quote, it was all old Englishy.
3: I put that in there because I thought that would be something that you would say. It's, oh, God. Uh-oh.
0: I was going to say, you just triggered both the English majors <laughs> on, this, on this
3: podcast. <laughs> what would I have <laughs> needed to do? Like hyphen the, I just, the Y? I just really... No,
0: I, that's not I was just... You just said it was all old Englishy, so it was yeah. difficult,
3: which is not untrue.
0: <laughs> I just I had like an English major stroke when I read that.
1: Actually, actually, is completely untrue because it would be Middle English, if anything, and Da Vinci oh. didn't write in Middle English. And Old no, English no, no, is- no. No, no, I was referring to Shakespeare. Oh, okay. Yeah. Still not. Yeah. Not is that English. Middle English? No. You, ang- you angered no. the Aaron. No, it'd be. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, never mind. Let's I forgot. English? I forgot. I forgot where the it's... dividing line was. <laughs> Chaucer was Middle English. That was about ten hundred, I think. Right? So... 500 some years before. Anyway, we can cut that out. Anyway, you guys digress. Nobody cares.
3: (laughs) Nobody cares.
1: I hope
0: one of my old professors finds this.
3: Anywho. I'm sure all your professors are old now. Ah, boy. (laughs) All right. So now we're just going to talk about some of the cures, and we'll be able to chat about these. Some of them are awesome. But epilepsy, it seemed like epilepsy was kind of like a, a plague back in the 17th century.
0: And basically, for the general listener, epilepsy is just a description for having a seizure disorder or having the potential to have seizures.
3: You would argue that we all have the potential to have them. You would, you could make that argument. Seizure threshold.
0: Everybody does, but uh, folks with epilepsy are typically nowadays on medication. Lower seizure threshold. They are more readily uh, able to go into a seizure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this was dealt with uh, very nicely back in the 17th century. It yeah, was, and it made it
3: really, perfect sense. Yeah. yeah, so these French physicians in the 17th century were looking for a cure for ep- epilepsy, and their recipe, and this is a quote, it's a tincture of hardened human flesh, and I'm not sure what that means. Maybe smoked, maybe cured in some way. As you do. Cut into small four-ounce pieces, steeped in a wine, set in a large vessel of horse dung. Oh, <laughs> lost me
1: there. Oh, I got yeah. It. Mm-hmm. a hard right turn right there.
3: It was starting to sound kind of decent. Mm. Yeah. But this was very specific. Like this is the, this menu, is the like recipe. you type it up on allrecipes.com and like, oh, here.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, if that didn't work, you trephonate them. So, yeah, yeah,
3: we're good. So, um, but for this tincture to actually work, it had to be from, and this is another quote, the flesh of a young man who had a violent, a violent death together with the membranes, arteries, veins, nerves, and all the pith of the back. So essentially, like, they needed all the brainstem and the cerebellum and the. Wait, oh. So Where does like, the
1: horse dung come in? That just seems extraneous. Well, That's how they cure it. Poor young guy walking across the street gets hit by a carriage, and all these people just kind of descend on him.
3: <laughs> like, yes, yeah, yeah, pick the pieces yeah. off in the middle. Of they the essentially street. just cut the back of his neck off. Well, and if he's in the up.
1: street, they'll just kind of scoop it up with the dung that made up the street at the time, and just you know carry it away to there.
3: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe they all have they have to do is dung. all
1: they have to do is harden it.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Hmm. but isn't that disgusting? I mean, just imagine who Uh. would, who would want to do that? I mean, I guess like is thought to treat or cure like. So I think if, you know, somebody has an issue with seizures, they probably isolated that to the brain. And they think if you eat someone's brain that didn't have epilepsy, then you're probably fine.
0: Or they thought they were possessed by demons and killed them.
3: Maybe. I mean, anyhow. Malaise. Oh,
1: there's a cure for malaise.
0: Yeah, when somebody near you starts having a seizure and you have no context for what's going on, I'm sure that's pretty off putting and
3: oh, terrifying,
0: frightening to somebody in that time. I mean, it's oh, frightening yeah. now if you don't have any trend.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and you could see why they would want a cure. And again, like, oh, yeah, like we've said a multitude of times, people could listen to this podcast in you know 500 years and say these guys were morons. Mm. But anyway. I'm sure oh, anyway.
1: since they basically drank instead of, you know, li- uh, alcohol instead of water, I'm sure there were no seizures in the 17th century.
3: Right? No. Or maybe withdrawal seizures if they couldn't get their booze. <laughs> right. Yes. All right, so the malaise, the, the malady known as malaise.
0: And what is the what is the medical definition of malaise?
3: Malaise? Um, <laughs> annoying, irritating? No, just tired, fatigued? It's like it's, and uh, fatigued. generally just
0: means fatigued, and tired, yeah. V-
3: now uh, we probably have a thousand diagnoses diagnoses for malaise. Plenty of reasons for it. What's that?
0: There's plenty of reasons for there can it. Be. Mm-hmm. It's just it it just to be clear, it's not like a succinct diagnosis. It's more of a description no. of just Everything. being fatigued. Mm-hmm. Just
1: I don't feel good. Yeah. I don't feel like myself.
0: You could be malaise because you are extremely anemic and have no blood cells. Or you yeah. could be malaise because your thyroid gland is underactive. Oh my gosh, yeah. Or because you're you're
1: running around. Chasing your family and kids all day. I mean, it
3: wouldn't be exhausting. so hard on them.
1: I mean, this is just as evidence based as bleeding somebody. So yeah, truly,
3: that's fair. How do you cure malaise? Well, so in 1492, Pope Innocent the Eighth was fed <laughs> the blood of three. This is quote three young shepherd boys. I don't I think, think the that boys his
0: name, the innocent.
3: Yeah, and I don't think that they volunteered for this because all of them died. This concoction was called blood marmalade. It the mm-hmm. recipe lasted for centuries so so that was the 15th century end of the 15th century so the the record of monasteries making blood marmalade lasted through the 17th century and there's a recipe in 1679 that that reads this is a quote again let the blood dry into a sticky mess and then place it (laughs) upon a flat smooth table of soft wood it's got to be soft wood it can't be hardwood cut it into little slices following or allowing its watery part to drip away and when it's no longer dripping, place it on a stove and stir it to a batter with a knife, <laughs> not a spoon. Mm-hmm. When it's absolutely dry, place it immediately in a very warm bronze mortar, not copper, and pound it, forcing it through a sieve of finest silk, not terry cloth, and seal it in a glass jar, not aluminum. They didn't have aluminum back then. No. And then renew it in the spring of every year. So like they did this yearly and blood marmalade was supposed to give you a little pep in your step. And it makes sense? I kind of. I mean, the I, thought. at least it, it was would just contain... protein and iron is what it was. Yeah, iron is. and protein. And I don't know why it had to be human blood, but it had to be human blood. It had to be like for some reason they liked red pale redheads because they thought like these people have the best blood. So if mm. they saw like a dead pale redhead on the side of the road, they are absolutely <laughs> gobbling that up. They're not going to tell anybody. They're just going to stuff it in a bag and take it back to the monastery. I Hi. mean,
1: that yeah, the 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 blood of redheads kind of persists. I mean, there's this weird thing that redheads bleed easily. Um, yeah, that's what
3: they said in this thing. That was their argument. Was that it was easier to get their blood. Which
0: Yeah. Guys, yeah, I I legitimately have a friend who has red hair. Do you, do you think I should bleed
1: him? Yeah. No, no. They, they hate I, I don't know. The redheads I've known hated that kind of stuff.
0: I want to do a randomized controlled trial. I want to bleed every <laughs> friend I have with different hair colors and then
1: see whose blood leads to the best blood marmalade. But you got to let it dry to a sticky mess and then force right. it I'm yourself. willing to do that. Okay.
3: Yeah, if, as long as you follow the recipe, it's probably fine.
1: It's the worst that could happen.
3: Yeah, it, nothing bad could happen. <laughs> Go back to the disclaimer real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> All right, on to osteoporosis. Osteoporosis. <laughs> so it's uh, from malaise to osteoporosis.
1: It's, mm-hmm. Okay.
3: Yeah, I don't that, think we've, in, real...
0: in fairness, I don't think we've cured malaise to this day. So no, yeah, have we'll
3: not. Definitely. Not. No, they tried again. They tried. We know that that doesn't work. But well, we have a
1: cure though. I mean, cocaine. We have a cure now. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's true.
0: <laughs> it's less less gross. Yeah, it is less gross. So osteoporosis is
3: next. What uh, what's this condition? Just thinning of the bones. Weak bones in general. And I don't know that they, like this is looking back at it. I didn't see what they had called osteoporosis. They were doing a lot of DEXA scans back in the day. Mm -hmm. But this goes way back. So holy men in Arabia used to sacrifice themselves in preparation that at some point their body would be used to treat people with failing or broken bones. So they Mm -hmm. would ingest nothing but honey until they died. Is that why they died? Well, they, yeah, they essentially like they didn't eat anything but honey, because they wanted to become honey crusted. <laughs> okay, and then uh, their bodies were then immersed in jars of honey for a hundred years.
1: That's a really a long term solution.
3: Yeah, I know. It was really that forward would probably thinking. Probably mummify them too, right? Well, they called the it honey mellified. Honey. Yeah. Oh, so I'm the sure. Mellified man.
1: Oh, man, but that on is your word of the day calendar. Fascinating mm-hmm. chemistry. First, I want to know what happens to your body when you only eat honey.
3: Well, apparently, you don't live very long. <laughs> they, like they're like these guys would sugar. Would they would just crap yeah. honey? I mean, yeah, because <laughs> it'd be pure honey
2: just
0: sugar and osmotically pulling every bit of fluid you have from your GI tract all the time.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure at some point you can't even absorb all that honey. And yeah. I don't know how much no. they ate if they were like being force fed honey. Maybe it wasn't a choice, but then the mellified man was later, a hundred years later, like little slices were cut off and then people would eat them to like heal broken bones. Fair enough. I don't know if that actually I mean, it, thus it's far,
0: like, I will say this is kind of the, the best tasting
3: thing I would weirdest. imagine
0: of everything we've discussed.
3: Yeah, but once you get to that flesh, it's like,
0: it's It's coated in honey. I mean.
3: Yeah, you're right. I'm just, of the uh, things you've discussed. That's the I'm classic saying, salty, the ex-
1: sweet combination. I mean, that would be you're the- right.
3: You're would you rather right. re- Eat no, no. Mun- honey flavored mummy or mummy flavored honey?
1: Honey flavored mummy all the time. <laughs> That's what I would think too. Mummy flavored honey? Could you imagine? That would be so gross. I'm trying to
0: come up with a baklava mummy pun <laughs> and I can't do
1: it. No. Oh man, grammar is so important, right? Because the order is what makes one of those things disgusting.
3: All right. So then on to bruising. Apparently, bruising was a. Big time problem back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I,
0: nobody had any nutrition, and
3: right, and we didn't have optometrists, so people were probably bumping into things all the time. You're absolutely right because their vision was bad, so their yep. shins are probably all bruised, absolutely. like a toddlers. So human fat was apparently important for treating bruises. Hmm. This had gone on. It had to be human fat. Like why we have plenty of pigs that you would slaughter, whatever of other, other sources of fat. animals.
0: How did they think that was like versus like?
3: Don't, well, they would turn it into a salve, maybe because like there was fat underneath the layer of the skin, so they were okay. like adding fat to the the top layer of the skin.
0: Yeah, I get you. They're they're like using it like a mortar.
3: Yeah, so they would just they would rub human fat on bruises <laughs> until they, you know, they said it would probably go away within the next one to two weeks, and the fat cured the bruises because they every all time, every, every time.
1: time, I cured them again.
0: It's amazing how many conditions that affect people. Tend to get better in about one to two weeks, mm-hmm. no matter what you do.
3: But yeah, so the the argument again was that human fat had to be used because it was thought to contain the spirit of the body from which they were taken.
0: That spiritless fat does nothing.
3: I know. What happens if like that person had a bleeding problem and then you rubbed it on there? Like and then you just started bruising even worse. Mm-hmm. Probably mm-hmm.
0: just still smelled awful. I don't know.
3: Yeah. So they, they used it for gout too. Well, that makes sense. It's essentially topical I once, true
0: story, had a conversation with an Irishman in a bar, I believe, the village of Doolin, Ireland. Uh, I was vacationing there and ended up in a conversation with a gentleman probably in his 70s. At the time, I was a medical student, and this came up in conversation. And so he told me that he learned how to cure gout. And the cure for gout is to boil water and then try to drink it as hot as possible after (laughs) you boil it. (laughs) <laughs> and he was he was drinking a fair amount of beer and whiskey while we were talking, and I I wanted to suggest to him that you know decreasing the alcohol intake would probably help more. But he was very taken with the uh, drinking the boiling or near boiling water. And that sounds horrible. Yeah.
1: No, please don't do that. Everybody at home, mm-hmm. that is not the cure for gout.
0: What's the next thing we shouldn't do at home?
3: Well, headaches were another thing. Headaches were bad. Didn't really have any good medicine to treat headaches. Well, we did. It's primarily alcohol. Sure. Sure. So there's this, this treatment, this medication called King's drops. Hmm. So it was apparently regularly used by King Charles II, who was a proponent of corpse medicine. And I think it was King Charles I who wasn't. There was kind of like a split with the monarchy. Like some of the, the King's ruling class were in favor, some weren't. But this physician, he was a 17th century brain scientist. And it's in quotes because <laughs> like, <didn't> quote <laughs> he was probably a phrenologist. Mm, His name was Thomas enough. Willis. So the king's drops are a mixture of ground up human skull and alcohol, essentially. <laughs> and so he would have a couple drops, he'd feel great. And I don't think it's alcohol like PBR or anything like that. It's probably like grain alcohol, oh, God, no. essentially.
0: This is, yeah, this is, this is like probably equivalent to prison hooch.
3: Mm hmm. Yeah, so your headache's going to go away, but it's going to come back the next day, so you have to take him every sure day. Sure
0: enough, king's drops daily. Mm-hmm. Hair of the dog, drops of the king.
3: Mm-hmm. And there was another recipe that would use ground-up skull, and they would mix it with hot water and chocolate, and that was thought to treat bleeding. Uh, I thought that was
0: going to be a headache thing. I mean, that the chocolate, actually, with a little bit of caffeine, might help. Mm-hmm. And at least the ground... Uh, I See, this one I get. Like, grind up the skull because you have a head problem. Chocolate to make the skull taste better.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that chocolate to taste this, uh, this one makes good sense to
3: me,
1: mm-hmm.
3: yeah. It makes sense. Nosebleeds, so in the 17th I'm, I'm century,
1: gonna, you say both of you just said, I get this one, and this makes sense for ground up skull powder. So I'm just gonna point <laughs> yeah. that out.
3: Oh, I think he's saying that, like, in the like treats like, uh-huh. oh, mm-hmm. okay, sure, yeah. that makes sense, mm, yeah. No, yeah, no, no, I, oh, absolutely. So, yeah, nosebleeds, so this treatment kind of gained the most traction in the 17th century it was used up until world war ii so like Mm. yeah like recent time so bone moss called Usnia. bone moss is apparently like the best moss to use it's the moss that grows on skulls okay so what yeah you could treat it was used to treat epilepsy so kind of the same way with king's drops you would grind this up make a drink and that bone moss the Usnia would, would treat epilepsy, or you could grind it into a fine powder and then put it up your nose and it would stop nosebleeds. This one probably makes the most sense out of all of them because you're using a topical, and maybe there was a, a procoagulant in the moss.
0: For so the most physical sense. Mm-hmm. But, but it, putting a bunch of pseudo plant matter up your nose, especially fungal matter, seems to be a very bad idea.
3: Probably in the long term, wasn't great. You would stop bleeding, but all bleeding stops eventually. That's true. It's very true. And then the last one, it's not really a malady, but it's just strength. Like they were always looking for that way to get stronger, that little pick-me-up. And we still do. You know, we've got energy drinks and bangs are actually pretty good. Uh (laughs) I thought you
1: were, are we sponsored by them now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say we still drink blood to get strong.
3: Yeah. My chest is super hairy. I've got a huge gold chain, (laughs) backwards cap. Oakley M frames. I'm looking pretty sick. Yeah, you are. So, like I said, kind of at the, the beginning. So, corpse medicine has really has been along with us as far as we can look back in recorded human history. Probably even goes back farther than that. But Romans would drink the blood of a just killed gladiator because they thought that, that would give them strength. And then in the 16th century, crowds would gather at public executions, and we knew that because you could see the paintings and you know somebody's getting executed. Yeah, yeah, tons of people in the crowd. There's Maybe, not much
0: else to do in daily life back then, so that was right. entertainment.
3: So he thought it was entertaining in, or entertainment, and it probably was for the most part, but there were people that would go to the executions essentially for medicine. They would wait around with, and this is another quote from the Smithsonian article, cups and hands and waiting to quaff the red blood as it flows from the still quavering body of a freshly executed criminal. Hmm. They would want the blood, because it would help treat again primarily epilepsy. And so this was like the best blood to have. You know, you want the redhead dead by the river. All right, that's pretty good blood. You know, the <laughs> you know like the older guy, you don't want his blood. But the freshly executed criminal, like that was the blood to have.
0: That's I mean um, that just seems to make the most sense.
3: Yeah. So their thought was that the panic that one would feel just before being executed would increase adrenaline and I'm not sure that the Knew what adrenaline was, but they knew that there was some thing that made them feel a certain way when Fair. they were upset. So that would, when ingested, the more adrenaline there is, or the more panic, the more strength that you would have, and uh, you get the more likely that your epilepsy would be cured if you if you quaffed uh, a cup of red. I think
0: again, there. I think I follow the logic and how they got there.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you go in. If you wanted your your blood, you would pay for and they they called it a bowl of red, like I'll take a bowl of red <laughs> and a hot dog <laughs>
0: I think too. I was reading about this a little bit uh and it is it was particularly popular in uh sixteenth century Germany or like Germanic areas, and so that's kind of where a lot of at least this part of it seemed to come from,
3: yeah. Yeah, and Europeans believe that young flesh cured weak flesh. And another reason, and hopefully this doesn't get cut out, um, for eating the recently hanged, at least getting their blood, their cup of red from that person, is because when males get hanged, they often get erections from disruption of their spinal cord. Yeah, so so basically
0: hanging is breaking the neck back
1: in the day as much as it is strangulation. And so, yeah, you're right. Yep. Yeah. Half, your, half your nervous system, right? It's knocked out. So well, mm-hmm. let's see. How does that work? Yeah. When you lose the nerves. So they basically break their neck.
0: This causes an immediate catastrophic spinal cord injury. And one of the odd things that happens to happen along that, and it happens today when this unfortunately happens to people, is you man, get an erection.
3: Yeah. So they would see these boners after guys got <laughs> hanged and they're like, I want a bowl of red because that's going to give me virility. That's going to give me the sexual stamina.
1: So they wanted to be hung too? Is that what
3: you're saying? <laughs> yeah, that's hung versus hanged. I don't know if that's explicit. <laughs> I feel like
1: it's on the border. Probably not. But come
3: on, it was a good one. It I, was a good one. Yeah, it was I a good one. You food. <laughs> this, uh, it was really only for kind of the commoners. So the, the wealthy or the ruling class or whatever, they could just go to the apothecary. And get their bowl of red like they would just. Oh, so this pay was money. the
1: free blood, basically. Yeah. Well, no, they would have or the to pay chief for farm to table. Farmed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: <geez. laughs> what? Uh, no I wonder I, if they ever thought about eating the the boner. Like, <laughs> why eat the? Blo- <laughs> they must have known that the blood supplied like for like. Yeah.
0: I don't know if they knew that.
3: I don't think they knew a lot of
1: things man. cure. One thing I, I do
0: yeah. like to think about it is like how there had to have been those executioners that took a lot of pride in that job. The ones that got the guy the most riled up so that the blood was the best. <laughs> right. That has to have been a thing.
3: It must have been. Yeah. Because think about it. You could probably charge more for somebody who was really upset.
0: Right. Right. That, really actually, that, that also reminds me, um, Mike, you got that time portal up and running again, didn't you? Yeah. We talked about it in the last episode let's fire it up. In 1574 England, a public executioner is starting his first day on the job.
1: Well, hello good sir, and welcome to your new future here with the Royal Executioner Service. I see you got your company hood and executioner's axe already. Well, it was a very reasonable onboarding process. Minimal paperwork, really. I always said it's important to have a good HR department. Well, right this way. We'll take you past the olding cells to get to the tower. That's where our prisoner awaits. Right following you, sir. What did the Condemned do? Oh, he's the
2: worst sort of prisoner for you to have on your first day. Oh, is he, is he quite violent? Does he have exceptional strength? Is he capable of extraordinary foul
1: language? Don't know. No, he's worse than that. He's a stoic. Stoic? You mean? I mean, he shows no emotion. He just accepts his fate. There's no weeping, no gnashing of teeth, a renting of clothing, nothing. I fail to see why that's such a bad thing. Doesn't that make our job easier? I can see why you think that, but we need him to have fear. We need him to be under immense stress and pressure at this time. We need him to be crying and gnashing and renting. Because it takes the sport out of it. No, because his adrenal glands won't be worth a whit when we sell them, post-execution, of course, to the apothecary. Do you think the adrenal glands of a stoic who never shows emotion are likely to fetch anything these days? I suppose not. He's right here. Hello, Harold. Time to go and meet your maker. This is it. Any final words? No. No, I don't think so. Now, hopefully this time alone over the past
3: few days has drummed
1: up some fear and emotion about your execution, eh?
3: No, not particularly. I quite like the silence of solitary confinement, honestly, just to clear my head.
1: Oh, you really are the worst, you know that, Harold? I'm just a working man trying to pull together a living and you're just sitting there, all calm, no stress or anxiety, about to be executed in front of a live
3: crowd and there's nothing. No emotion whatsoever. Yeah, well, I mean, things happen. It's out of my control. Why should I worry about it?
1: You're taking this quite well, I'll say. I'm going to go grab the transporting manacles. You see if you can stir any emotion up while I'm gone. Okay, I guess I'll
3: try.
2: So, Errol. Errol, is it? Yeah, well, uh, just a big day, I guess?
3: Yeah, it's a day among many. It happens to be the day of my execution, but I'm honestly at peace with that.
2: I see. I think I'd be a bit worried if I was you.
3: Well, I'm not, so...
2: Not even a little bit of fear?
3: Nope. My absence of existence didn't bother me before I was born. Why should it bother me after I'm dead?
2: So, um, you have a family? I'm sure you'll miss them.
3: Nope. Just me. Nobody else to worry about. Hmm.
2: I see. Well... This is my first day on the job, so if you could at least act scared when the older guy gets back, it would really do me a solid.
3: As much as I'd like to help you out, since I'm about to be executed, I think I'd prefer a poignant silence. Not much for small talk, I see. No, it's the worst.
2: Isn't it just a harmless activity, though?
3: You're wasting the little time I have left. Yep, yep, sorry about that. So,
2: um... Looks like rain today. Please stop. Yep. Clouds came in from the west. That usually means rain. Nobody cares about the weather. I think the castle gardens could do with a light soaking, so I'm
3: sure this rain's going to be welcome. Please stop talking about the weather. Right, right. Sorry. Let's just enjoy the silence and our own thoughts, right?
2: Absolutely. Can I tell you about this dream I had the other night? Let me?
3: Out! Guards! Take me away! I want my head off!
2: It was weird because I was in this field and Carol was there I had seen her for a fortnight. We dated briefly many years ago. Anyway, she was surrounded by all of my family's dogs and they were just growling at me. What do you think that means?
3: Help me! Please kill me now!
2: (laughs) Nobody wants to hear about my dreams. Nobody.
0: Don't tell people about your dream. What an interesting occurrence peering through the time portal.
3: There is a thought that eating mummies may have gotten traction from misunderstanding of ancient texts, which is kind of funny. So bitumen, I didn't look this up, um, you know, what it was, but in this article it said it's a naturally occurring substance used in ancient times to treat arthritis and other maladies. That narrows it down. Right. <laughs> yeah, so it's... Really occurring. <laughs> so there is a Persian word for wax, which was, I guess, for all intents and purposes, the trade name of bitumen at the time. So mm. bitumen is like the generic name and then wax is the generic or the mm-hmm. trade. Um, so, And that Persian word is mummia. So then <laughs> over time, as they looked at these texts, they're like, we, you know, these ancient people would eat mummia to treat these maladies. So then they were like, oh, eat mummies. <laughs> was this after the after the Brits stole all the money,
1: the mummies, and took them well, back to their own? But yeah, they, mis- they mistranslated it. Yeah, and and then it stole a whole all of the Right? Dude. Then they all got cursed.
3: Yeah, what... I mean, this happened. So apparently, so mummy transport to Europe had really decreased by like 14th and 15th century. But back then, it was like we need all the mummies. Just give us all the mummies because <laughs> we need mummia. It's fair. Yeah, <laughs> because we have arthritis. Um, <laughs> I, anyway, okay, that was a little aside. So, dizziness Dizziness is another malady that it's every ear doctor's favorite treat. complaint. Oh my god, yeah, seriously, that dizziness pops up, and you're like, you contemplate. Your oh, look for at a the while. time! I'm so
1: close to the end of my show. Oh, you I know, to I was go gonna to go bathroom. get some food, yeah.
3: Um, I'll be back in a minute. And you know what? It's still always available for you to see <laughs> because <laughs> Everybody everybody's doing the it. same thing. It's like one, um, of those,
0: one of those symptoms that can mean absolutely nothing or be something serious going on and it's as vague as vague gets. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know that, that part in Captain America where Steve Rogers jumps on the grenade, that's the person who picks up that shirt. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing. For Truly. Because it is
3: one of those, it's not like the thing is irritating, but it's, it's like it could be nothing or it could be something huge. Yeah. You know, something that's life changing and potentially high medical legal risk. and. <sighs> Anyway. But we digress. We,
1: you're going to offer a new cure for it,
3: I see. Yeah, so you just eat a pulverized heart. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, Obviously. so this was the quote. Again, I'm not sure what a dram is, but they would say a dram in the morning on an empty stomach was a prescription for dizzy spells. And a dram is thought to be a small amount of heart that's pulverized.
0: It's a, it's actually, I believe it's a measurement, like an old school measurement of liquid. Yeah, so oh, really? a dram is a like quarter, a small a serving, a little less
3: than a oh. shot. Okay.
0: And uh, I only know that because I got a uh, advent calendar one year that was a bunch of different whiskeys and scotches. Each one so was probably, a dram. So
1: it's probably mixed in alcohol. So really, the cure is always alcohol. You yeah. Just put, right. If, yep. Yep. Absolutely. But You're I wonder if that's where
3: yeah Dramamine comes from. Because exactly. you eat a dram for dizziness. Dram means a motion sickness med. I
0: could have looked that up, but I didn't.
3: Yeah, I, I tell you, it's not easy to find this stuff. You know, it's no, like. I get it. You you look you get this one quote. I, I tried to look it up and I couldn't find anything on DRAM. So I'm glad you told me that. Hemorrhoids? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Bad, bad problem. So 17th century physician George Thompson, he recommended, and this is a quote, the terror soaked sweat of an about to be hanged or just hanged man was the cure for hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> so just, like he would oh you would God. like wipe these people down, take the sweat apply it immediately to your anus and then that sweat would scare the hemorrhoids what? into retreating back into your butt. What? Immediately? <laughs> immediately.
1: So, so at the execution, uh, yeah. so half the people are like palming the person about to be executed and then shoving their hand in their pants and the other mm-hmm. people are standing around with a cup.
3: What if you had epilepsy and hemorrhoids and you're like, shoot, which one do I take? That's oh. Yeah. Just That's, People just rubbing sweat on their butts in the middle of <laughs> Or you're just like you're the guy up there, you're terrified, and
0: all these people just can't wait to mop your sweat so they can yeah. treat
3: their hemorrhoids and is, is your legacy. Yeah, and you've been to these executions before. You know what happens. You're like, oh
1: Like I would want to cure something serious if I were about to die. I want to cure epilepsy or dropsy or you know, but
3: or <laughs> distemper, but you're you're just gonna make one's hemorrhoids Rabies? retreat No, I'm A- just gonna A- scare
1: I- hemorrhoids.
0: I don't even I have no more words for that.
3: Anyway, that was an interesting one. And then heavy periods, you could eat placenta. Mm. So the fetus yeah, fetus's spirit would apparently suck the blood flow right back up into the Eucharist. <laughs> is that that's from not, the book?
1: It's <laughs> totally not scary at all. The spirit of a fetus yeah. sucking blood up. That's not terrifying. <laughs> to <do tonight.
3: laughs> so monthly blood um, was a, par- a powerful therapeutic agent as well. But the blood had to be from a virgin for it to work.
0: Wow, that's...
3: There's always a catch. There's mm-hmm. always a catch. Yeah, you On can't use monthly from blood period. from somebody who's already had S-E-X.
0: <laughs> Way to dodge that explicit tag. Mm-hmm. Nicely done.
3: This is my favorite. <laughs> Ready? So for the treatment of cataracts, you would grind human poop up into a powder and then blow it directly into your the oh. person with cataracts' eyes. And I don't know what the... <laughs> How did I don't they know treat they the thought? subsequent horrible pink eye? That's <laughs> you thought farting on someone's pillow was bad. <laughs> Maybe that's where it comes
0: from. Just, yeah, this one I don't know where
1: they got there. Just- <laughs> How is that like for like? I don't know. Yeah, I don't.
3: yeah I'm at a loss. So, I don't know. No, don't it's don't really do that, crappy people. when
1: you can't see.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh. it's a good way to get freckles. They're temporary. <laughs> I wonder why they had to dry it. Why didn't they just?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean,
3: if
0: you dry, I, I like it feel like it's safer smell. if you dry it. Probably. Not by a lot, but it's definitely yeah. safer than fresh.
3: Yeah, but, you know, it must have worked for somebody. You know, like, why would they continue to do it if it didn't do anything? Somebody's vision got markedly better after somebody. No. Somebody dry, made up a story about their,
0: their vision getting better to
3: trick their friend
0: into doing this. Ooh, and it yeah. became a thing. <laughs> That's exactly, this is like, this was viral before the internet.
3: Right. Like jackass 1694. (laughs) There was nothing to check. You couldn't, like if somebody
0: came out and just wanted to screw with somebody, they would just say, hey, do this. You would do it because there was nobody of authority to say otherwise. You couldn't really verify this if you were likely uneducated. And there's some 17th century doctor
1: that thought it was hilarious that he got a whole culture to do this. This is a night soil guy looking for a side hustle. Probably. I'm just gonna save a little bit soil. of this or and just dry the it. The night
0: out. soil harvesters never really got cataracts, and people made that <laughs> association. <laughs> they
1: died by the time they were 26.
0: That's <laughs> correlation does not imply causation, but it probably did have something to do with it.
3: Probably. All right, so the, yeah, the practice of medical cannibalism—that's essentially what we're going to call it—died out in the 18th no, of century. Medicine
0: is way cooler sounding. Yeah, that.
3: I know, right? But medical cannibalism is pretty bad too. So just a funny way that. Somebody had written about this. They, they said it died out. And it was thought to be around the time that people started using forks and taking baths. <laughs> <laughs> essentially, <laughs> you didn't use your fingers that you're scratching your butt with to eat, and you took baths, right. and everybody started to get it a little bit more healthy. It's
0: a, it's a small step. But... Mm-hmm. So in
3: 1847, uh, there was an Englishman that was apparently told to grind up the skull of a woman and then mix it with molasses to cure his daughter of epilepsy. So it's like kind of the latest the last use of yeah mm. the, the last mark. Uh you know, it clearly didn't work. And there's better documentation about this. They're like, he did this and he probably shouldn't have well it didn't do anything. Right. But then there was a lot of wives' tales. There's a there's a belief that there's this thing called this a thieves candle that was a candle made of human fat. So you could paralyze a person by lighting a thieves candle and they can just go <laughs> steal all their stuff. I don't know. But that belief, I bet that didn't work. Yeah, but it, the belief continued into the 1880s. That's, that's,
0: yeah, not, never underestimate the human ability to make stuff up and then believe it. Really hard.
1: Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of thieves getting caught by the police. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Right. You could still buy mummy flesh into the early 1900s. Apparently, there was a catalog, a German catalog, that you could buy it from, and who knows what it hmm. was? You know, it was probably just sure. Yeah, anything. They're not going to actually sell you mummy flesh, but you're going to pay for it.
0: Oh, I got a guy though, if you if you're interested. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, and then the last known attempt <laughs> to swallow to swallow blood and an execution was in 1908. And apparently, somebody tried to get a a cup of red or a bowl of red. Just for away at the ache. door. Mm-hmm. So you know, in some ways, this practice potentially lives on. You know, using cadavers for bone grafts, even organ transplantation. When you think about it, it's like it, similar, but you know, not the same because you're not eating. If you get a kidney transplant, you're not going to eat the kidney. You're like, oh, thanks. I feel much better now. <laughs> yeah, we would already figured that out by then. Mm-hmm. You're essentially taking things from the deceased and using them again in the living.
0: I really like that reframing of it. I bet mm-hmm. it's more of a branding thing where they don't want to call it corpse medicine, though. Yeah. It's an interesting tie-in that after enough time and understanding, there there kind of was a way to make this work. Mm-hmm. Kind of incredibly. and. I don't. I don't know what that says about whether you should try weird things to help problems before you really think it through. I mm, that could be problematic. Mm. I think. Mm. I think it might just add. Some but bird. we did
3: think it through. Think about that. Hundreds of years, we thought it through. Like this isn't a good idea.
0: Yeah, but how many hundreds of years did they blow the poop into the eye before they figured <laughs> that out?
3: Who knows? <laughs> Maybe the, not enough. Thing. Maybe they needed to. <laughs> Blow the poop somewhere else for, To treat something else
0: well, Before Mike figures out where that is I think that's all we have for today mm-hmm. We appreciate everyone listening And we'd love to hear from all of you out there If you would uh, like to send us a message Or provide feedback We can be reached through our website www.porehistorianspot.com There you can find links to our social media sites We take emails at poorhistorianspod at gmail.com, and we work to respond to all posts on our various social media accounts. If you are old-fashioned, hit me up on my pager. Just use the code 1337 after your number so I know it's legit. (laughs) Those of us who went through high school in the late 90s love that joke.
3: Wait, what does that mean? Is that a thing? 1337?
0: Delete. L-E-E-T. Delete speak. I don't
3: get it. Pwn that noob. (laughs) that's our
0: new (laughs) sign-off does it help to record with a cat on your lap
1: uh yes it does Nope.
0: <laughs> Go away, <kiddie. laughs> Nope, stop coming back. You can't come up here right now.
1: Auf Wiedersehen.
0: Auf Wiedersehen, Bradwurst.
1: All right, sorry. Who's, uh, who's going to be pharmacist? Hello, Bradwurst. Bundesliga. <laughs> Fahrvergnügen. <laughs> Fahrvergnügen, Bradwurst. Hamburg, Hamburg, Berlin, Berlin. Great.
0: Aaron's working over there. What What'd you come up with there, Aaron?
3: Okay. Uh, I
1: don't know. It's going to be very rocky. Hmm. What is it I can help you find? Hello. Works. I think that's El- close. Welcome yeah. to my humble apothecary.
3: Oh, now it's French. Too much French. <laughs> welcome to my apothecary. Welcome to my
1: humble apothecary. <laughs> is it? What is I it I can you help you find? Okay, like, let's try it. Yeah, you got it.
3: All right, all right, here we go. Hello and welcome. Nah.